0: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 282 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. It's a special edition, a little early this week. I'm I'm Chad Dotson, your host, and joined today by the godfather,
1: Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to what we're going to... Preview for what we're going to show off
0: to everybody a little later today. Yeah, uh, and let's just go ahead and get into that. Bill and I are just going to talk for a moment here because you heard the the first part of Bill's discussion with uh, Chris Welsh the other day on our last podcast, episode number two hundred eighty. If you haven't, go listen to it; it's fantastic. And we have sort of the uh, the rest of that conversation for you today, and that we're going to try to try to limit our discussion uh, twenty minutes or so if we can. Here, Bill, uh, I know try. you're you're a little long winded, so I don't know if we'll be able to, but.
1: Yeah, I I am.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. You, you are, and uh, so. But uh, good conversation with Chris, huh?
1: Well, it's always enjoyable to talk to Chris. For one thing, he's always so uh, kind to to us, and and so uh, sharing with his time. And I am always amazed at how honest and open he is with us about you know about things. And uh, this interview is is as much of that as ever and and there's a couple of i have a get off my lawn moment at the very beginning of the interview which, <laughs> which you'll get a kick out of and uh right about the 23 minute mark i think there's a really interesting point that chris makes and then he talks a little bit about the garrett suspension which is real interesting and uh the whole but but as always with chris it's always enjoyable and he, and he shares some marty thoughts towards the end of the interview
0: yeah I meant to go back and, and count how many times he's been on the the podcast now because it's a bunch he's been with us pretty much every year for
1: at least once a year every year since two thousand and six
0: there you go so uh, he's been a very good friend to red leg nation radio and uh, we appreciate that so look forward to you guys hearing that uh, the rest of that interview and it's actually uh, th- we split him up this way because you actually did it on two different days right bill
1: yeah the the first day I was talking to chris it was on a game day and i I don't know whether, and i think he was working that night. And he said he only had about twenty minutes, and, and so we did a quick twenty minutes. And then the other uh, the other morning we talked, and uh, he only had about a half hour. So we, uh, we he was kind enough to get back with us, you know. And we did them about five days apart.
0: Yeah, so good stuff. Be sure to listen to that later. Now, in, in Red's land here, or as as we sometimes call it, Red Leg Nation. Ooh, you, ever, you ever hear this uh, this this new guy that the Reds got.
1: He's an outfielder, isn't he? He's an outfielder, the most. Uh, And and, and I I have to practice my pronunciation of his first name. Yeah, my Aristides. It doesn't
0: go well with my accent, I know. (laughs) Mister Aquino, he is to (laughs) me. Yes, Aristides Aquino. What a fantastic name! And oh yeah, by the way, not a bad ball player. You know, uh, Jason and I talked about him last week on the podcast, and. Ever since then, he's just kind of doubled up on everything. He just broke the record for most home runs within the first uh, for any major league player in the history of major league within their first twelve games. He has eight home, eight home runs. Yeah, nationally, player of the week in his first full week in the big leagues. I mean, how about this guy? Is he is he for real?
1: I I don't know, but let's just enjoy it. You know, I got I I, I was teasing about something that Chris had said on the air, and I got kind of taken to the woodshed on Twitter, but. Uh you know, because Chris joking you know, Chris compared him or asked he didn't really compare him, he asked if you reminded you of Eric da- of anybody of Eric Davis. And I you know, I said, let's not get too far out over our skis here. But and my point was let's not put any more pressure on this kid than there already is. You know, he's 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 twenty five, he be you know it's a miracle he's still with the Reds, to be honest. Yeah. Um and and he seems like a good kid. You know, the little bit of interviewing I've seen of him, and what a best first week in Reds history.
0: Yes, I mean, no question. And uh, to the Eric Davis comparisons, he wears number 44. He's tall and and lean and uh, hits the ball a long way, and he plays outfield. Uh, And he's
1: got a good arm. He's got a great arm. Wow, he can throw the ball.
0: Yeah, no. uh, He has the uh, tied for the hardest hit home run in baseball all year long and the hardest thrown ball from the outfield. All season long. He, he threw one 101.5 miles per hour to uh, uh, nab uh, Anthony Rizzo at third base in that Cubs series. So he's he's got a lot of the tools, but that's been the issue with him for years. Is he's had the tools, and he's not been able to uh, turn it into actual production. Although he's had some moments in his career. 2016, he was actually the Reds minor league player of the year uh, in A-ball, high A, at uh, Daytona. But the last two years, both in Double A, he's really been... Not good at all and uh, to the point as you mentioned uh, the Reds could have lost him he they they non- tendered him after last year and uh, he was available to any team he was a free agent and the Reds got him back on a minor league contract so and the, and,
1: the, and, the, and I don't know if you heard that they were talking about this on the broadcast the other night and he was asked if he was surprised he was non- tendered and he said no he wasn't you know because he knew he'd been struggling but he told the you know he told the Reds he didn't want to go anywhere else he he liked it here. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't even investigate going anywhere else, according to what they said on the broadcast. And he'd been there since
0: uh, he was a 17-year-old. You know, he was uh, signed out of the uh, the Dominican Republic. And, well, the the rest of the story, obviously, is uh, what he's done. He changed his stance in spring training this year, along with some, uh, you know, working with the Reds coaches. And the results have been crazy. They're crazy in A. they're crazy here. And I've got a piece coming in Cincinnati Magazine tomorrow, and by the time you all listen to this, it may be out, um, where – I, I I investigate is this a sustainable thing and you know of course he's not going to he's on a pace for like 108 home runs he's probably not going to do that that would probably be like close to a record I think he he might hit
1: 104
0: or <laughs> maybe <laughs> but but can he be a productive right fielder and, and I don't really know the answer to that I don't think we know we know enough to know but as I was investigating you mentioned something about, uh, you know, uh, good attitude or whatever. And I kept coming across these quotes dating all the way back to 2013 from scouts and from teammates about how he's the greatest guy and how he's very intelligent and how he works harder than anyone and um, is very eager to be coached, things like that. Th- th- these things kept recurring, again, all the way back to six years ago. And uh, so I don't know whether he's going to be the Reds' answer to the right field hole, but. Man, he's he's a type of guy that I want to root for. I guess he he keeps working hard. He's got a great attitude. His teammates to a 100% absolutely love the guy. Um, he you know he that one quote I saw was about how hard he worked to learn English. He says, you know, we try really hard with our uh, players out of the Dominican and uh, Spanish-speaking areas to to learn English, and and you know some people really go at it, some don't. But it said the king from day one. Uh, and got to the point where he was doing interviews in English and he's not doing that in the big leagues right now. Cause he's afraid of embarrassing himself, but, uh, he lapses in English sometimes. And I don't know. I just, every single thing I hear about this kid makes me want to root for him. Uh, you know, is he going to be the
1: answer? I don't know,
0: but man, that would be a great story and, and it'd be a fun guy to root for.
1: And, and it's been a fun first week and, and let's just enjoy that and see what happens moving forward. Uh, the kid's been only been up a week though, and he's got a 1.0 war already. I
0: noticed that. I noticed that. Living,
1: <laughs> 38
0: plate appearances, uh, 429 average, already one win above replacement. No, I mean, it just, you know, uh, he's been uh, outstanding. And he just, just when you think, oh, he's going to, you know, he's, his heroics are done, he hits another home run. Did you see the one last night? Uh, no, I did
1: not see the one last night.
0: That's the first game of the uh, Nationals series. And uh, I was watching that and, you know, I, he Aquino does this thing where he flexes when he goes around third. For some reason I was watching to see if he was gonna do that. And right after he did that they flashed up in the stands and uh I don't know if you saw that, but there was a lone Reds fan standing oh, cheering for him yeah. in Washington and it was uh, it was my little brother. So who I knew who I knew was at the game, but uh he got some good air time there. So check out that clip if you wanna see
1: the youngest Dotson. So the uh, it's a pretty good percentage when you got 15 hits and eight of them are for home runs. It's <laughs> not bad. You think that's he can keep that, if he can keep that up. He's going to be really good. I think, yeah, I think that's a pretty good pace. <laughs> you know,
0: uh, you know, I agree with you that at this point, let's just enjoy it. Let's just enjoy it. But the question really is going to come, is this a guy that could, and this is the question we're going to be asking all off season, you know, is, is Aquino going to be in the mix to be the right fielder? And uh, I don't think we have nearly enough information, frankly, to answer that question, but uh, you know,
1: I hope so. Well, the other thing, and I and I say that Chris and I talk about Aquino in the interview, and one of the things that I that I say, and I, and I don't think there's been enough made of this, is he's also played some really good defensive right field. Oh man, he's played that right field fence really well. I can remember in the in the Cubs series at least twice where he played balls off the fence and held guys to a single that most guys that would have been a double.
0: Oh yeah, I remember two in one game where. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought off the bat. Well, that's a that's
1: an extra base hit, and all of a sudden
0: yep. uh, he turns and ma- he plays a well off the fence, and then makes a gorgeous throw, uh, great arm. And have you noticed how well he does in the gaps? I mean, he covers a lot of ground out there.
1: He had yeah he had a, a, again in the Cubs series. and I can't remember which game it was. He had a really nice ball that he he got a good break on and went and run ran it down in in, in the right center field gap. And and I don't think uh, Senzel would have gotten to it. He might have, but I'm not sure. But uh, it was a nice, he made a nice play on the ball.
0: Yeah, so defensively you can see he and and Sinzel being a pretty good uh, duo out there covering a lot of ground and maybe making up for the what you're going to get out of Jesse Winker in left field. Um, but uh, yeah, so he, you know he has all kinds of tools. Um, his, his you know he's not going to get on base. He's never gotten on base a ton, but he's, you know, he's not afraid of taking a walk. And
1: uh, he's not I, Peraza.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Oh, that's a topic for another day. But. Uh, yeah, no, I mean I don't know. I think it's possible that the the swing change has changed his approach at the plate or his ability to see pitches to the point where he can be a productive big leaguer. I, you know, I don't know, maybe some I saw some He's got the guess.
1: weirdest stance I've ever seen. It's no. crazy.
0: An- another thing that he <laughs> shares with Eric Davis, right?
1: Well, Eric was Eric's one Eric wasn't that open. No,
0: I just mean a unique stance. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Cuz Davis had the most unique stance of anyone growing up, it seemed like. Um yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. I don't think we know enough yet to, to know, but uh, there's a chance he could be Adam Duvall for a couple years or something like that. You know, good defensively, some pop, and you know we got a couple good years out of Adam Duval. You know, or, or maybe he's something more than that. Well, yeah, let's
1: just see how the rest of the year turns out, and
0: then we'll move go on from there. Absolutely. All right. Before we get into the uh, interview, we have a few sort of random viewer mail questions that have trickled in over the last little bit, and. Uh, so I thought, you know, let's uh let's uh, tackle a couple of these. Okay. One of these is from R. K. Cox, and I, we didn't make a call for uh, questions this week, but you're always welcome to send it to us at Twitter. Just use the hashtag viewer #ViewerMail. Um, ordinarily, uh, Patreon subscribers will get a little bit of uh, preference on those uh, the first questions anyway, but uh, you can. There's always a chance we'll answer if you just add that hashtag. R. K. Cox. R.K. Cox asks, hashtag viewer mail, does Bill bring a wet blanket to picnics? And follow-up question, what is the must-have picnic food?
1: Well, the, the first part of that is from something that, that Chris <laughs> sent at me on Twitter. And you when all get I, into that. When I was when I was questioning him comparing or, or, or asking if any, if uh, Aquino reminds anybody of Eric Davis. Uh and, and no, I don't bring a wet blanket. I bring I bring the beer.
0: Is that your must-have picnic food? Well, yeah, oh hell yes! I mean that potato salad <laughs> and potato salad. Interesting. My must-have what, what, picnic food is uh, burritos.
1: See, you're just weird. You're just a strange, <laughs> strange man. <laughs> oh, okay, I love do it. you put a kid? Okay, you, you got a, a, a hot dog or a met or a brat. Are you a ketchup guy, a mustard guy, a ketchup and mustard guy? Straight mustard. Okay, you're one of them. You're Sp- you're a, you're prejudiced against ketchup. huh? I, I am the spicy mustard. Oh yeah, it's got to be the spicy mustard. Yeah. I don't um, even know. Why, I don't even know why they make that regular yellow stuff. Uh, I agree. You put it on conies. No. Yeah, they do. I don't. You tell them no mustard on your conies. Yes. You're a communist. You really are a communist. Thank you,
0: comrade. Uh Yeah. Brian, uh, and Brian, I forget how to pronounce your name every time. Brian Bout. I pronounce it wrong every time. I'm sorry. Hash Brown viewer mail. Among Van Meter, Winker, Irvin, Aquino, and O'Grady, which two or three do you expect to end up the most career war? wins above replacement? Van Meter, Winker, Irvin, Aquino, and O'Grady. Winker. Winker absolutely is number one. Who else? Who's second on that list?
1: I don't know. I, I think Irvin can play himself into playing time in the right situations, and I haven't seen an uh, O'Grady. Who knows? And and I haven't seen enough of Van Meter yet to know whether what I'm seeing is real or not. Even though I like I I, I like what I've seen of his approach at the plate.
0: Yeah, O'Grady's 27. I think he's probably fifth on that list. Um, if you're a if you're betting, you probably bet Irvin. Just because we don't have enough of a track record for Van Meter or Aquino to know, right? But based oh, on yeah. what we've seen the was last,
1: Kino, was Aquino on that list? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, and again, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to put him on that list after one week,
0: right? Well, and but to be fair for Van Meter as well, it's been more than a week. They both raked in the minors, but yeah, it's it's basically a year. I've got to see more than that. So I probably well, say...
1: and the ball and you know, and the balls changed in AAA. So you know.
0: Yeah, but, but they performed at AAA and the big leagues,
1: and I think they've they, 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 gras- they have grasped the opportunities they've been given. Yeah, but
0: we'll have to see if it's something that's sustainable over the long term. So I'll probably go Irvin number two, but I'm just because I don't think we've got enough of a track record from Van Meter yep. or Aquino. Um, Pete Wills asks, Jacob and Emma, ages seven and four, would like to ask, do you prefer to vacation at the beach, in the mountains, or somewhere else?
1: I like the warm weather of the beach. I'm not a big beach guy. My wife is a beach person. I've never vacationed in the mountains, so I really can't address that one myself.
0: My answer is somewhere else. Just about anywhere else. I don't like the beach. Uh, I live in the mountains, so I'm not going to vacation in the mountains.
1: I like the warm weather of, of, of of the beach area.
0: I like going somewhere where I can do things and see things. So, yeah. Uh, somewhere else, Pete,
1: you like New York city.
0: I do love me some New York city. I think we might be going back to New York city this fall. Catch some right. shows. Um, let's see here. We've got a couple more and then we'll get to the interview. Matt at mstefano Stefano 78 asks, can the Reds trade Tom Brennan and a prospect to the brewers in exchange for Bob Euchre? You should have asked Chris that one.
1: I'm staying away from that, that, announcer future question things with Chris. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I read an <laughs> article, uh, and I can't, I can't remember who wrote it on, on red Lake nation about where he stated that it, he was kind of quoting an article in the athletic where they're saying Marty's allowed to pick his ex- successor. I don't believe that. Yeah. But I don't know, answer, what he but said. answer this question. Tom drives me crazy, but not as much as a lot of people. Um, and maybe it's because I've met him, and he's very—he was very nice to my wife and I when we met him. So I may be a little prejudiced. And I'm not, And honestly, my only—I don't think I've ever heard Bob Uecker do a baseball game other than in, in Major League.
0: When I went to uh, Miller Park earlier this season, first time I'd been there, I loved how they were piping in. Uh, it was much louder than you hear it at the, any other stadium, and in every other area. After you got away from the field, you could hear Bob Uecker's announcing. They had it uh, just blasting everywhere in the park. I like that. Euchre's great. I'm not going to say anything else about Brennan. Marty Brennan has been very, very nice to me, and so I'm not going to say anything else. Um, One last viewer mail question, then we'll get
1: into do you, do you it. Do you believe he's going to be allowed to pick a successor?
0: Uh, he said he is, and I don't have any information otherwise. Where, it where, would
1: surprise you, me. You, 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 wait a minute. You heard him say that, or you've seen a well, reporter supposedly say that?
0: Oh, yeah, that's the report. I don't know. I, he's not told me that. Um, well,
1: and, and, and and all I'm going off is the article that was written in Red Leg Nation where they quoted the article in The Athletic. So I don't know what that guy's source was, whether he heard it from Marty or he heard it from somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I I've read that article, I just, but I can't remember. Reds is a business. It makes no sense.
0: No, it doesn't make any sense. It certainly doesn't. But again, if he actually says that, then maybe they have that agreement. I don't have any, I don't know either way. I don't I don't have any knowledge on that. Um, Seth Seth Shaner at @Shaynerbomb That's pretty good. Shaynerbomb. Drops a Shaynerbomb like, on us. Is,
1: like, is that like is that like Bach?
0: No, it's a it's a Twitter handle, Bill. Oh, okay. Seth asks, "I'm still trying to come to grips with the idea that perhaps the way Joey Votto slows the aging curve is to go back to how a younger Votto hit. It's like he's in the Matrix or something." Hash Brown, viewer mail, Votto man, I don't know. Uh, Votto is is kind of raging against the the machine a little bit and trying to figure out what's going to work. And he's looked a lot better recently as he started stood more upright. And I don't know. I don't know. What do I always say? Father time is undefeated.
1: I want to see Joey Votto and Angel Hernandez in a Texas death match.
0: Did you see that? Unbelievable. Votto strikes out looking three times in one game, and every single one by Angel Hernandez was outside the strike zone.
1: Yeah. I, and, and we've talked about the umpires and the strike zones and whether they're doing a worse job than, than, than in the past or whether we're seeing it more because you got the, the square there all the time or, or, or what. But but my, you know, what a lot of people said and I, that I agree with is there should have to be some accountability.
0: How does a guy like Angel Hernandez remain employed at the highest level of his profession? I don't, is what I don't understand. I, I
1: can tell yeah. you, umpires union. That's
0: how. Yeah, yeah, but the, there's got to be some. I don't know. I he's just he's miserable at his job. And again, I, I don't call for people to be fired. I just think that I don't do that at sports. And you know, but man if you can't do the job, you don't need to be out there. And it's just, it's embarrassing at this point.
1: Well, wait a you, you, you mentioned somebody being losing their job. And, and I don't know if you guys talked about this the other day, but David Hernandez,
0: we did not. I, I think that might've happened after we, after the podcast. Uh,
1: he gave the Reds a really great year last year. And, and I and I always told you he made me a nervous wreck. Yeah. But you, but cause he always seemed to me to be throwing the ball up. But, Let's give the man credit for the job he did for the Reds and the class he brought to the organization. And from every every report I've seen, was a wonderful teammate and, and a good presence in the in the in the clubhouse. And and wish him nothing but the best.
0: Yeah, the, the time it was time. Yep. But uh, you know that doesn't diminish what he brought here. And again, even when he was pitching poorly, as we always say, it wasn't like he was trying to pitch poorly. He just you know right. He was just uh, struck. Yeah, and so he was a good, he was a good Cincinnati Red, a good representative of this organization. And I, those are the guys that I wish nothing but the best for. So you hate it for him, you hate it because his career may be over. You know, you hope he can figure it out and connect somewhere. But
1: uh, but pretty good I, career. I would bet he signs a AAA deal before the the end of a week or so, and he's pitching somewhere trying to get himself back.
0: I'm sure, but he's in, getting to his late thirties, and so the clock is ticking.
1: Yep, on him. So absolutely, another time thing again.
0: That's right. That's right um anyway that's uh that's probably enough for this one you want to go ahead and talk to chris
1: yeah let's 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 talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about
0: <laughs> yeah well because <that'd laughs> be we know
1: that ain't us that'll be a
0: first in the history of red leg nation radio all right here we go this is uh and bill anything other uh, intro comments you want to make before we go into this uh discussion with chris welsh
1: no like i said I, I i'm always i always think chris gives us a good interview and but i think this is one of the better ones that we've done i think he he, he gives us some insight one of the things he really gives us some insight into how the organization has changed and, and I think it's really interesting so uh, pay attention It's it's a it's a good one all
0: right good deal thank you for joining us again bill this uh, coming up now Bill lack and Chris Welsh friend of the podcast and Red's broadcaster the crafty
1: left-hander enjoy. Here we are with with part B of my interview with Reds broadcaster Chris Welch. Chris, thanks for coming back with us again today.
2: You're welcome, Bill. Always a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Okay, Chris, i got to start out by asking a question. We had a big blowout the other night when the Reds jumped all over the Cubs, and and, and it it sounded on TV like you and Tom were kind of struggling for things to talk about. But then you went and, 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 and said that the wave was a good thing. I know that Chad, Chad's going to say this is one of my get off my get off my lawn moments, but but the, the wave, Chris, really? Well, you know, Bill, this is the way I look at it. I mean, there was a time when I felt just like
2: you that, that the wave had run its course and then it would just die out and go away, maybe forever. But just like those old ties that you have hanging in your closet, <laughs> you know, eventually you figure, you know, those white ties will come back into in, in vogue. And eventually they have. So I kind of look at it the same way. And also, when you're looking at a three-hour and 40-minute game or whatever, you end up having that bite, and it was, it was long. It was good because, well, I mean, if you're talking about the game in which the Reds are getting beat, it's not so good. Uh, but, you know, you're looking for things to do, things to talk about, and actually looking maybe for exercise to get a little blood going in your body. Standing up and doing the waves isn't so bad. So uh, on occasions, I'll do it. You know, there are some ballparks where it still lives uh, on a regular basis. Uh, It's kind of funny that it happens, uh, but certainly there are some ballparks around the country that uh, they've kept that thing alive. So, you know, it's harmless. And, uh, uh, you know, I I equate it to your old ties hanging in your closet. And it's better than the woo. Oh, the woo? No, yeah. I I mean, (laughs) I don't think there's a place of baseball for the woo, really. Uh, It's awful.
1: Yeah. Let's talk some baseball, Let's talk some baseball, Chris. The, okay. The 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 starting pitching. How much of of the improvement is talent? How much of it is coaching?
2: Yeah, it's probably eighty percent talent and twenty percent coaching. Um, you, you you can't you know you can't polish a, a piece of granite and sell off as a diamond. Uh, and I think that that's the case here. You have a number of things that have come together here. Uh, let's back up for just a second and revisit the fact that for two years in a row, Anthony Iscapani was supposed to be the opening day starter. On this staff now, he's the fifth starter. Okay, not because, and also consider that he's probably pitching as well as he ever has in his entire career. So that tells you that we've got four more talented starters than Anthony DiScopani. Now, I'm inserting Alex Wood there based on what he's done in the course of his entire career, right. not what he's done here for the Reds. So you bring in guys that have good resumes, and then you add to that uh, a potential top-of-the-rotation pitcher in uh, Luis Castillo, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got really a lot of talent. Uh, hopefully, uh, your coach... Daryl Johnson can take that town and even move it up one step or two, and I think that's what the Reds are betting on.
1: Before we get to Castillo, I want to talk about Sonny Gray for a minute because I, 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 I'm really, really impressed with him. And, and he struggled in New York. Do you, do you think that was the market? Do you think it was just a bad couple of years? And then he comes here and he looks like a whole different pitcher.
2: Well, you know, I, I think for Sonny Grace, he's such an intense competitor that he probably tried too hard in New York. Uh, you know, I I've, I've never played in New York, uh, but people tell me uh, that it's it's a place where only certain players are able to excel. You really have to block out the noise, and uh, I, I think he didn't, wasn't able to do that, and I think he tried too hard. You can tell by the way he pitches here that he really tries hard. I mean, he's 100% effort on every pitch. He's sometimes bouncing curveballs at you know, six feet in front of the plate. Um, so he's trying to impart as much spin, as much speed, as much, uh, uh, you, you know, stuff on the ball that he possibly can in every pitch. And when things start to go south on you, uh, if you don't realize how you need to back off sometimes, and all you do is keep accelerating, then you, you know, you accelerate through a curve and you crash. And I think that's what happened uh, to Sonny Gray in New York.
1: He, he, he sure uh, look well I, I said before the season that he'd be an all-star and i, I ended up being right so I, i'll take credit for that one uh um, yeah well
2: you know a good call on that
1: yeah <laughs> Let, let's talk about castillo for a minute uh, he needs he needs to get his walk oh. rate down and if he and if he does that how much better can he get well, I, I think he
2: getting a lot better, but if you consider the walk rate is part of his game, not the walks, but the pitches that he throws that look like the strikes coming out of his hands that are really balls. Uh, it, it's, I don't think it's ever as simple as saying, well, you know, this pitcher's got a high walk rate and so on, especially Castillo, because, um, he, he gets guys to chase more than any other pitcher in baseball. Uh, and, that's how good that change-up is. Change-ups are all about deception. Really, pitching is all about deception. Uh, and I want him to continue to pitch to the edges of the zone, continue to have hitters swing at pitches that end up in the dirt, because even if they hit him, he's going to get soft contact. And that's where the other thing that he really excels at is getting soft contact. So uh, he can get better by being able to control the fastball, to be able to uh, understand his slider a little bit more. I think that would be really, uh, nice for him. I think that if he were to take a little bit more speed off the slider, uh, it would even be better, uh, or at least have two speeds on it. I always heard, uh, going back to Robin Roberts told me, you know, what's one of the, the, the three things in, uh, as pitching, you know, the three actions in pitching. And one of them is have two speeds on your breaking pitch. Uh, and I think that he could benefit from that. Uh, he could benefit from some easy innings. Um, you know, without having to try to bear it in there, uh, board it in there at 98 and then take something off of it but he's, he's good and he's going to get better just by you know, having better stage presence on the mound
1: You talked about, about him throwing a lot of pitches because he gets guys swinging to Mitch and he's working the edges of the strike zone Do, do you think that'll change and if not, is he going to be a guy that's never going to go real, real deep into ball games or, or is that a thing of the past?
2: No, I think it will change, and it's getting better already, really, in my estimation. I mean, he had a chance to go yesterday to the full seven and didn't, and um, I, I think that um, you can depend on him to be a seven-inning pitcher, which is nowadays, I mean, you know, seven is is yesterday's nine, <laughs> um, and uh, I think that, you know, if, if Luis Castillo was pitching 25 years ago, he Throwing, you know, ten complete games a year. Uh, I think just he has that talent, and uh, I, I don't think that you're wearing him out by doing so. Uh,
1: with Bauer coming aboard at the trade deadline, I mean, this makes this at least the top three and four, if you count Wood, uh, really, really impressive. And I think, I think you or Tom said yesterday on the on the on the broadcast that if they would sneak into the playoffs, there wouldn't be anybody who really want a piece of the Reds with their starting rotation. It, no. You know, a normal pitching staff
2: out there, and say you get a sneak into the playoffs and you have to play that wild card game to get in, right? Mm-hmm. And you play it so you, if the season were to end the way you wanted it to, you'd have your number one starter ready for that wild card game because if you don't win that one, the season's over, right? So you pitch your best and you do that. And normally, there's a pretty good drop off between that number one and the number two, uh, and certainly between the number two and the number three. So Let's just say that the last week of the season you had a pitch of top pitchers except for your Ace and it turned out that your ace pitches that wild card game. And now, you know, with the Reds though, you know, you'd love to have either Bauer or Sonny Gray in there for number you know, for the first playoff game. But if that didn't work, even Alex Wood wouldn't be that bad. And if that didn't work two years ago, it would have been the Safari that would have been your main man. So there's really no Major drop off between you know one and two and two and three and three and four and four and five. Uh, there's a little bit, but not as much as, as a lot of other teams, and that's why teams would not want to play the Reds. I think if the Reds could get there,
1: talk a little bit about Derek Johnson. Is is he that big a difference maker? as he, he appears to be from the outside?
2: I think it's, it, it's it's a couple of things. Number one, he's coming in at the right time. Uh, he's coming in, it's like when Walt Jockey came on aboard the Reds. You know, he had, uh, a whole core of players that were just now, uh, beginning to reach their peak. And he added a couple of players to that. Well, the same thing now with, with Derek Johnson. He's got a maturing Luis Castillo. He's helped him a little bit, but Luis Castillo has done it on his own. Uh, and through some of the other coaches he's had. He uh, gets Sonny Gray already pretty much a finished product. He gets Trevor, uh, Bauer a finished product. And he's Scafari pitching healthy and better than ever before. So, you know, he's in there at the right place at the right time. But I also think that, that Derek Johnson is a guy that, uh, truly understands how to get the best out of pitchers. And he does it by listening. He does it by watching. He does it by analyzing. And he's able to, uh, get that uh, going with these pitchers where they wouldn't normally be able to get to certain levels, I think Johnson is a perfect guy to take them to the next level. I, I think he's just he just got a really good feel for uh preparing a pitcher to win in a major league game.
1: When you when you talk about him being a listener, are, you, are you, it sounds to me, and I'm going to make sure I understand what you're telling me that he, he kind of can, can listen to every guy and, and, and put a program together or, or work with them on what they need. Not It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And, and and I think it, that changes quite a bit from what
2: was happening here before. Uh, I know Brian Price is an excellent pitching coach, but when he handed over the reins of pitching to Matt Jenkins, uh, I think there was a serious drop off between um, the pitching acumen of uh, Ryan Price and then the pitching acumen of, of, of the next guy. Uh, so I think with Derek Johnson, Johnson is a guy that doesn't want to listen to his own pitchers, but he listens to other coaches that may have had this pitcher. He listens to scouts. He listens to the analytics people. He listens, you know, in any conversation. And the reason I, I say that very first about Derek Johnson is that the first conversation I had with him was back in the winter time when the Reds had Red Fest. And we sat down after Red Fest one night after everybody had gone home and cracked open a couple of cold ones, and talked about pitching. And after about a half an hour, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm doing all the talking here. Uh, He's doing all the listening. I would rather be the other way around. So we began to share some things back and forth, but he is always open to hearing, you know, somebody's opinion, a different theory, uh, different phrases that may be covering the same thing. And I think that's, uh, to me, is a guy that really is on the ball, um, that listens first and talks later.
1: This this team's playing pretty good ball right now. They haven't lost a series in what about a month, I guess. Uh, but the bullpen is kind of struggling, and they were really good early in the season, and, and, they're, and they're kind of struggling now. Uh, are we seeing the effects of, of the of the modern era use of the bullpen? Do you think, or is it just a uh, you know they're going through a rough patch, or, or what do you think's going on here?
2: You know, I think bullpen pitchers nowadays are disposable for the most part. I mean, there may be one or two of your guys in there that are going to be good from year to year to year. But I think most everybody else, based they, they on what teams want out of their guys, they're disposable. Uh, they uh, go as hard as they can for as long as they can. They get hurt, then they move on. Uh, and I think that's that problem with the Reds bullpen like everybody else right now. You've got to back up what you have at the big league level with some 4A caliber arms uh, in AAA, um, if that makes sense to you, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, th- I think that they're definitely feeling the effects of overwork in the first half. I don't think it's the uh, Reds are isolated in that problem, uh, and I think that the other thing that you have to understand is that you know bullpen performance is like hitters' performance; it's an ebb and flow throughout the whole year. Rarely does a guy start the season, you know, hitting <laughs> 350, and he never varies from that. No, I mean, that doesn't happen in big league baseball. What happens is, a guy hits 350 for a month, he hits 250 for a month. He hits 350 for another month, then he hits 200. So, uh, you know, this is the way it is with bullpens right now, too. I don't think it's only about fatigue. And, for instance, if you're talking about Michael Lorenzen as of late, you know, he seems to be throwing a ball. He threw the ball 99 miles an hour yesterday. But, you know, he's hanging some pitches, and he's just not – you know, getting guys out the way he did earlier in the year, and I think that's all part of the everflow flow of baseball.
1: The Reds made a decision coming out of spring training to carry, I think, was it 13 pitchers? I
2: do, believe so.
1: Do, do you think, I mean, did, was, did they, is this something we were talking about the other day where the front office and the dugout really got together and, and decided on a plan, and, and they knew all along this was how Bell was going to manage the bullpen, and that's why they were carrying so many guys? Because they took some criticism, at least in the, in the, in the uneducated world that I'm a part of for carrying so many pitchers. Do you think that was their plan and decision all along that this was going to be the way that bullpen was going to be used? I think when they when they wanted options
2: on their team as far as replacements, the first place they needed the most options was out of the bullpen, rather than going to the bench and getting one extra player because quite frankly, you know, they've had Harris on the bench, you know, to make a decision about. I mean, you know, a guy that can come off the bench and get your big sit. They weren't sure what these bench players were going to give. You know, they were better than they had been in the past. You know, Kyle Farmer, I mean, he's kind of an unknown. You know, so who, what do you really want? Do you want Kyle Farmer on your ball club? Or do you want Phil Berman on your ball club? Or do you want, you know, maybe one more pitcher that you can play a matchup with? And I think that it makes sense to use the matchup uh, going in that direction.
1: You mentioned Kyle Farmer, and I want to talk about him for a second. I kind of said coming out of spring training, he was like the 25th man on the roster. And, and if that's the case, have you ever heard – I mean, he's the most valuable 25th man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs>
2: you know, uh, he's played way better than I ever thought he could. Uh, he, he's a he's a solid baseball player. You know, I hate to use that term because it's kind of thrown around so much. You know, he's just a player. But uh, he is. I mean, the guy is, is, can uh, – I don't want to say he can play any position. Anybody can play any position. But the question is how, what, at what level. Uh, but uh, he showed me better defense than I thought. He showed me more power, uh, I think, and he showed me a little bit better idea of the strike zone, Uh, even though he still chases a lot. uh, I I think that Farmer is a a really valuable utility player that the Reds kind of fell into. Uh, They didn't know what they had there. If it wasn't for the injury of Scooter Jeanette, Farmer may have been buried down in AAA all year long.
1: Yep, and he hasn't embarrassed himself catching, which is is the biggest part that shocked me was how well he's done behind the plate. Well, you know, that's even considering, Bill, that he didn't even work at it. I mean, they
2: didn't get him any innings of catching until Kirk Casale was injured. And all of a sudden, Farmer, your number three catcher, is your number two catcher. Oh, by the way, we haven't worked with him all year long. We haven't had him blocking balls in the dirt. We haven't had him practice framing. We haven't had him really going over uh and really getting involved in the, in the in the meetings and the strategy meetings for pitchers so all of a sudden he gets thrust into something that he's not really accustomed to but he's done a great job
1: yep let's talk about the offense for a little bit for, are you surprised that so many guys came out of the gate so slowly yes i am
2: as a matter of fact and, and i think that uh um, it was, it was a stunner for me, and I think it really showed you how much the Reds missed Scooter Jeanette in the lineup. Uh, another left-hander that kind of gave you something. You know, if it wasn't for Derek Dietrich early on, well, where would this offense have been? Yeah. I mean, he was a guy that really went off and carried everybody. Everybody else seemed to go very slow. Puig was slow. Votto was slow. Uh, this is before they had Nick Senzel in the ball club. Uh, uh, Jesse Wicker got off to a horrendous start. Uh, it was a black hole behind the plate as far as offense goes. Uh, yeah, it, it was a team-wide slump, unfortunately.
1: Okay, we would be remiss if we didn't expand on the legend of Mr. Aquino and his first week in baseball here. Is is—is this the best first week that you can remember of anybody in your memory with the Reds?
2: Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. Uh, <laughs> offensively, there's no question about it. This kid has come on the scene, and uh, it seems like every time he gets a hittable pitch, he's barreling it up, and it's it's fun to watch, and uh, I'm just delighted to have him. Uh, you, know, you know what, the Reds have needed a player like this, haven't they? I mean, they have really searched. I mean, where is our Fernando Tatis? Where is our, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? You know, where is our Manny Machado coming up through the system? You know, where is our Albert Pujols? Whatever, I mean. You know, I'm not comparing him to foolholes, okay, But uh, or even Eric Davis. But, but <laughs> I'm saying, where, where is the guy that the Reds have signed that you bring up through the system, and all of a sudden, you know, he turns into a stud? And it's almost by accident it happened with Aquino. Because if you remember last year, you know, he's been on the roster. He was up for a very, what, a, a day or two in 2018. He got taken off the roster in November, but he's such a great kid. The Reds did not want to lose him. He's been a super teammate. Every time he struggles and anybody else on the team does well, he's 100% behind that guy doing well. And they they love his attitude. They love his personality. They love the way he worked really hard as a minor leaguer. And as soon as they released him, they said, listen, we want to sign you to a minor league deal, and we're going to come back. I talked to him uh, the other day about that and asked him, were you disappointed when the Reds took you off the roster? you look at me, I said, no, I knew I would be back. How many kids are going to say that? I mean, I would have been disappointed that I'm off the roster. I'm thinking, geez, this is the beginning of my, my downward skid. But for Aquino, no. So, you know, it's great for the Reds organization. It's great for him. It's great for Reds fans. I mean, this kid's got a chance to be a real stud.
1: Well, and the other thing that, that none of us have talked about, I don't think, is so far this kid's played some pretty darn good defense in right field. He's played that right field fence. Really well on balls hit over his head, and nobody wants to mess with his arm thus far.
2: He's faster than I thought, that's for sure. I, I had no idea that he had uh, the kind of coverage out there that he's shown. His arm is way better than, than I had heard. I really had a good arm, but I mean, this guy has as good an arm as the Osceola oh, fleet. He does. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, he's always had the talent. That's what you're That's what you scouting for when you're looking at a 16, and 17 year old. And the Reds got that uh, when they signed him. And he's finally turning himself into a player.
1: I, I do want to say the one thing Chad and I always talk about, though, to, to anybody listening. He's a young guy. He's going to struggle. Cut him a break. Let's stick with him and see what happens.
2: I'm I'm really surprised. At the You know, Bill, what I was pitching, and maybe they do it still, but they haven't done it to a you keynote. I always thought that the first thing you do when a kid comes up is that you challenge him inside with a fastball and you find out whether you're going to hit it or not. And what the teams have done to Aquino is try to pitch him away because yep. he looks like he's going to pull off the ball. Maybe that was the the, the word on him, you know, throughout the minor leagues. But, I mean, the, uh, I guess command on pitching isn't as good as it used to be. Uh, maybe stuff is much better. Well, you know, stuff versus a town like Aquino, you know, the town may win, but location is the thing that you're going to have to you know for him you have to give him a chance to get himself out. So I'm surprised they haven't busted him with fastballs and front breaking balls. They will eventually get to that and the key for him is just to lay off the pitches that he can't handle. If yeah. he can do that he's going to be a really good player.
1: Yeah, the only thing the only time I've seen him get pitched inside was that one the other night that he kind of wristed out into the into the camera well down the left field line. That's the only ball I remember him swinging at inside.
2: Right. Right, and they haven't gotten him in there. Maybe they're afraid that he's too quick with the bat. I don't know. I do know that his swing has really gotten short, uh, and much better. I mean, the reason the Reds released him, or at least took him off the roster last year, was because he was a chase guy. He chased everything. He had a big, looping swing, like so many players that are six feet four, six feet five. You know, they have, they've got long arms, long legs, and they have to start everything a little bit early. And when they commit early and they find out it's a breaking ball, man, you look so bad at the plate. And, and he just would spiral downward when that happened. Well, you know, they've changed his approach. He gets a better view of things. And he's shrunk the strike zone. And that's really a good, that's a good step forward for him. And when you combine that with his talent, man, you've got somebody who can really hit the ball hard.
1: Yeah, and I know, I know some people have talked about that he, he got a lot of help from Bull Durham down at Louisville with, with changing his swing. He
2: did, but I think it's a, it was kind of a community effort. Uh, you know, all the coaches. Mel Thompson is the, tra- the roving hitting instructor. Um, uh, uh, Gary Ward's son, what's his name, down in double A, helped him quite a bit. And um, and I think that uh, Donnie Ecker and, and Turner Ward have a lot to do with it, too. This is something that I think is probably worthwhile uh, mentioning to you guys. in In spring training, you, know, you had all these coaches come in here that were brand new. And they didn't know each other. Turner Ward, and Donnie Ecker, and Bull Durham, and, and uh, I can't think of the double A's. I, I know Gary Ward's son, uh, uh, played a little bit for the rest, is a double A hitting coach. They're a really good guy and good hitting coach. But nobody knew each other. So, every morning at 7 o'clock, Turner Ward and Donnie Ecker would have all these minor league coaches in there and they'd sit around the table, have coffee, and they'd talk about hitting. They want to know what everybody's philosophy was. Because you had some guys like Bull Durham had really good major league careers. Well Thompson had a good major league career. Yeah, you want to hear what they have to say, how they want to teach it, how they and then they, they developed an individual hitting plan for every player in camp. And the minor league teams have done that for their minor league players. So this isn't just one guy that had a, had an idea for, uh, Aristides Aquino and said, this is what I think you should do. This is kind of a group effort to say, okay, you know, on this guy we need to do this, on this guy we need to do that. So whether it's Aquino or Brian Grady, same thing happened. There was a program individually suited for that player. He'd done the same thing for pitching. And I think it's really, for me, it marks a whole new um, opportunity and a change for the Reds, the way they're handling their minor league players, and I think they're finally catching up to some of the other teams that have been doing this for a while.
1: Well, we're coming to the end of an era here at the end of the season with, with Marty retiring, and and I wanted to get your coming, your, some of your thoughts on, on Marty. Uh, what's it been like working with him often? You know, over the over the last few years.
2: It's been so entertaining. I mean, I don't get to listen to Marty on on radio because I'm doing TV games. Uh, occasionally, I have a night off, and I listen to a little bit of Marty. But you know, being around Marty is, is the one thing that I feel like I've I've been selected as, as special because uh, he's he's just he's extremely funny. I mean, he's maybe one of the funniest guys I've ever been around. Uh, he has no filter, uh, especially when he's off the air, <laughs> and it, it's hilarious to hear him say some of the things he does. Uh, but when like, you know, I've just have never been around a guy that was able to communicate. If you kind of close your eyes and listen to Marty, I mean, he just, he's got a great voice for broadcasting. He and is just able to balance a lot of things at the same time. I've never heard anybody be able to do an interview in the booth and call the game at the same time as well as Marty does. Uh, He carries the bad games, uh, makes them interesting, which is a very tough thing to do as a broadcaster. And his big moments or as good as anybody i mean they're worth putting on an audio reel and you you know listen to him over and over again his big calls the home runs the no hitters the perfect games, things like that it's been wonderful to be around him i've learned a ton and i've been entertained even more
1: do you rate him up with and i do rate him with anybody that's ever called a baseball game
2: i agree him up with anybody you know, as far as radio goes. Yep. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, I don't think, you know, Vince Scully kind of has set the standard of being the best maybe that it ever was and ever will be. Uh, but Scully, you know, toward the end of his career did all TV. And, and that's a different medium. I mean, Marty can do TV as well as anybody too. But I think as far as radio goes, I, I'm still having a hard time finding anybody that does the game as well as Marty Browner.
1: Do you have one memory that will stand out to you about Marty when, when, when Marty's retired and we don't hear him every night anymore?
2: No. I, you know, the memories that I have are having dinner with Marty every night before games. And this is, you know, the, the, it's become, a lot of times that what happens is is that the the, the traveling media groups have dinner together, the broadcasters, the radios. Guys and the TV guys together, maybe with a pregame, postgame guy, or the field guy, or maybe their engineer, or maybe a couple, of, uh, a director, producer. So there's like three or four five, six of us, you know, that all are going to have dinner, uh, usually every night. <clears throat> but Marty, it, it's like the king in his court. <laughs> um he holds court every night. It, it's
1: absolutely hilarious.
2: Uh, sometimes you're the guy he's picking on and everybody else jumps on or maybe it's somebody, maybe it's Jim Day or maybe it's Suntime or maybe it's, you know, Jim Kelch or whoever it was along the way. Uh, it, it's, those are the moments that I think that I will miss the most and that I remember the most about Marty. Uh, because, um, it's, it, it just, it makes our job so much fun. And I think that it helps the broadcast too because if you, you know, if you have an issue at home of some kind, uh, you come to the ballpark, you're a little bit down. But once you have dinner with Marty, you know, you're laughing like crazy. And now, you know, within a half an hour, you're going on the air. And your attitude is better and your voice sounds better. Uh, everything is kind of cured because of his humor and his living life.
1: Wrapping up here, what are, you, what are your feelings on the Reds moving forward? Do you give them a, much of a chance of sneaking in here into the playoffs somehow? They have to win games
2: that are close. Right now, they're still just knocking at the door and making them close games, and that's going to be very frustrating. Uh, I I really hope they can, but I, I just see uh, some problems coming up for the Reds, and the main game where we already touched on, Bill, is, is, the, is the bullpen. I think when Amir Garrett um begins to, to serve his suspension of eight games. I don't think that they, the league is going to reduce it. If they do, they reduce it by one game. He's the most irreplaceable pitcher on that ball club. Uh because you have no other left hander that can even come close to giving you what Garrett does. And um uh, that's gonna be a very long, tough week. Yep. Uh and they're not gonna be able to choose when that happens. So, you know, uh, some of those right-handers are going to have to step up or they're going to have to call up somebody from the minor leagues that they've got down there, but they've got nobody like Garrett. And that's one reason why I think that that suspension of Amir Garrett is a season-changing item for the Reds.
1: All right, well, Chris, as always, we really thank you for your time, and you need to bring home some winners so we can get into the playoffs, all right? I sure hope so, Bill. I sure hope so. Thanks, for well, uh, It really great visiting with you, and uh, call me anytime. I appreciate I it. Thank you very friends. much. Have a okay, great day.
2: Bye. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation
0: Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.